All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 157 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli. And today we start our division previews. Uh, For the next four pods, we will preview each division. And it's only fitting that we start in the Central where the reigning Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche reside and their GM... Chris McFarland will uh, join us on the pod. Frank, um, one pressing question that you are watching or storyline that you're watching in the Central. Well, there's a few. I mean, really curious to see what happens with Winnipeg. Does that situation implode? Do they somehow bounce back and find a way to be a playoff team? But for me, the biggest thing is how many teams will get into the playoffs from the Central Division? They got in five last year. I don't think that's going to be the case. I could see it being as few as three because I think some Pacific Division teams are going to be a bit better top to bottom. And then the next question is, well, what happens with Dallas and Nashville sort of in that mushy middle that were playoff teams last year are potentially ripe for regression this year. How do they find a way to stay in the playoff mix? Cause I don't think those top three teams in that group, Colorado, Minnesota, or St. Louis are going anywhere. All right. Uh, well, we'll start at the bottom from last year, work our way up. And then uh, we're going to have a uh, McFarland likely join us uh, in the middle a little bit to split it up. So uh, let's start at the Arizona coyotes. Of course, uh, they finished in the basement uh, in the central. They, they made a significant amount of changes you know, lots of their older guys are gone. Kessel, Erickson, Strom, and uh, Roussel, Beagle. Uh, they're all gone. You know, you, you bring in a little bit of younger guys, you know, specifically Brown, Stetcher, uh, Nemeth on the back end, Cassian and Bugstad. 
Do you see like, any significant improvement for the Yotes? How, I mean, how could you? They're not trying to be good. When I think of the Arizona Coyotes right now, um, I, I kind of think of those airplanes that are living in the desert. They like park them on those runways. They're like airplane graveyards and team like airlines come in and they chip off parts from those, those planes as they're sitting there. And Arizona is the best place to do it because they don't get a lot of rain and it's dry air. So that's where they hang out to basically die. And as you think about the Arizona coyotes, they're just kind of a collection of spare parts. They have a few decent players, Clayton Keller, as you mentioned, they got a long-term deal done with Lawson Kraus five times 4.3. Um, you know, still need to see more from a guy like Barrett Hayton who signed a two year deal and they've got Jacob Chickren on the back end who Jay was so awkward last week to open up training camp, essentially saying I've let them know a couple times now that I'd like to be moved to this point. A deal hasn't materialized. I think a number of teams have still tried on Jacob Chickren over the last little while. I think one team that is particularly interested and very excited to get their hands on Jacob Chickren if they can is the Ottawa Senators. So they're a team to watch. I don't think the summer of Pierre Dorian is quite over yet. Don't know if it'll materialize and, and don't have any reason to expect given how long that it's gone on that a trade will materialize before opening night. But I think those conversations have been ongoing. And other than that, I like the scrappiness of the Coyotes. They really pushed hard last year, especially in the last couple of weeks of the season and, and had a chance to play spoiler up for a couple of playoff teams that were trying to get in. But we got to come up with a hashtag for Connor Bedard. Uh, the submission that I have, and there's a few teams uh, that will likely be in this conversation, including one that we're going to talk about next. But I think the slogan this year should be, Hashtag suck hard for Bedard. I mean, well, we got to come up with something that rhymes. It's been going on forever. Fail, fail for nail. Um, I mean, look, it's it's been a decade. We need more. Suck hard for Bedard. Yeah, that's uh... not family friendly, but like, no. what else do you go with? Yeah, well, that's that's true. So, um, yeah, it's he's a pretty special player, and uh, lots of teams um, are. They're you're right. They're not. The players never try to lose. The organization maybe just doesn't bring in enough players that they feel give them a legitimate shot to compete. So I guess the question is Arizona or Chicago, who do you think's last? Um, I, I think it's Arizona. Okay. All right. But it's now, very close. Now, now we get to Chicago. I'll say this. It depends on when Chicago trades Patrick Kane. Uh, I still think they might be uh, at the bottom. The Chicago Blackhawks, a significant overhaul in the offseason. Now, they have a new head coach, Luke Richardson. I was watching Luke. Uh, you see skating in certain drills with the uh, the Blackhawks. I love that. In, uh, skating laps. So, uh, boy. But here's the guys that, that are gone from Chicago. Debrinkat, Doc, Strom, Kubelik, Dahan, Lankinen in goal. And, you know, they brought in Athanasiu, Domi, Blackwell, uh, Johnson, they're, they're going to, Morazic's in goal, Staylock. They got some young guys, Vlasic or Mitchell. Somebody's coming in to fill in on defense. And I would even argue Tyler Johnson, because he only played 25 games last year, you know, kind of a quasi new player for them, but significant change for the Blackhawks. And then it's really, when is Patrick Kane going to get traded? Right? Like I'd be surprised if, if he pulled a Matt Sundin and didn't get traded all season long. I think he's kind of going to wait and and see at a comfort time of the year, maybe closer to the deadline, and he moves. But I just don't see how Chicago, at best, they're finishing seventh in the in the uh, in the Central. 
Yeah, but I think their top end pieces are a lot better than what Arizona has to offer in Kane, in Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, formerly of Arizona, still a pretty good player, uh, provided that he's healthy. Max Domi is a guy that's probably still going to score 20 to 25 goals. Athens, see you can skate. Colin Blackwell is really smart. I mean, again, they're not attempting to be good, but I still think that the sum of their parts is better than what Arizona has. Anybody surprise you in Chicago this year? Do you have a, a player that you think could surprise? Not particularly. Um, no. Okay. I'm curious about uh, what what uh, Domi does in Chicago this season, and uh, you know how he plays, how he performs. So I'm I'm curious about some of their younger guys. Like, do any of them get time? Like Cole Gutman is a free agent that they signed out of Denver. Uh, he was a draft pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He had 45 points last year in 41 college games at Denver. Evan Barrett's a, a pretty decent prospect. Um, you know, how do do any of these guys get a shot? Um, but I, I'd imagine Chicago is taking the ultimate patient route with these guys and, and they're not going to be throwing them into the fire. Yeah, no, that's fair. Now, uh, the other team that missed the playoffs last year, the Winnipeg Jets, albeit not by much, but they still missed the postseason. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a you know a, a major change, of course, uh, in the coaching staff with uh, with Rick Bonus. But that's the that, only change. Yeah, like Sam Gagne comes in and uh, and and Sandberg, and and really that's those are like the only the only changes. So it's interesting. They're they're basically saying, hey, we we believe in this group. We're coming back with this group. Do you believe in the Winnipeg Jets, Frank? Now, remember, you were you were a big believer last year. Where is your belief this year? It's not very high, and I, I just think there there was too much friction last year. I think you you heard it at the end of the year with the the comments from all the players as they came out under Dave Lowry, uh, the interim coach, to end off the year. It's almost like they were flogging themselves in public, and to me, that said something. The fact that they then didn't make any changes, even though they talked about it, significant changes to their core. I don't know how you could possibly attempt to run this back again and think that everything's going to be copacetic. I, I just, I feel like it's a situation where, you know, there's a bunch of gasoline sprinkled on the ground and, and all it's going to take is someone to light a match to it. That's the way I view where the Winnipeg Jets are at at the moment. Do they move any major player during the season? It's going to be really hard to now, like, you know, at least in the summer teams have flexibility with their cap. Maybe if you included a third party team, like the big hang up and why Blake Wheeler is still a Winnipeg jet. They engaged in plenty of conversations with teams. I think there are a number of teams out there that are contending teams that like the idea of putting Blake Wheeler, a big guy, a power forward on their right side, someone with experience and playoff experience. Um, but the Jets aren't willing to retain, and this summer at least, we're not willing to retain any money. And at two years at 8.25, it's the term that's the hang-up in addition to the dollars. No one wants that extra year. He, of course, was ready and willing to move on, and then you have this sting of being stripped of the captaincy. Um, I, you know, It's possible that someone's moved. I just think it's a lot more difficult now. The guys that are easy to move on Winnipeg are all the pieces that you don't want to. Yeah, that's fair. And I, if you're trading Wheeler in today's day and age, you're either going to take back some bad contracts or, you, or you're going to have to eat some cash. It's just that simple. The, there's very few teams uh, that are uh, 
that have the cap space to acquire him. And we didn't even talk much about Pierre-Luc Dubois and his odd comments this summer too, like telling everyone publicly that he has no plans to re-sign in Winnipeg after this upcoming season. Like how, how does that help anything? Yeah, it's not ideal, is it? So um, I mean, he's but- a 60 point guy last year that took a major stride forward and you have some really talented young pieces. Kyle Connor's still only 25. Um, Nikolai Ehlers, great player, 26. Like you have a group of players there that could be really competitive. I just think there's a lot that could potentially drag this team down. Yeah. Well, Dubois at RFA at the end of the year, didn't he say he just wouldn't sign extension? He wants a test free agency, which technically he, so he could sign another one year deal, right? Yeah, he could. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not a great look like Rick, Rick bonus who we had on the pod a few uh, episodes ago. Uh, you know, what came in, he, he uh, changed the captaincy. And like I stripped it's probably the more accurate term. It's and, definitely more like everyone played nice publicly saying Blake Wheeler is no longer the captain. He, he was stripped of the C. Yeah. Yeah. So there you're right, Frank, like there's, it's, it's either going to motivate that group and, and make them come together. And as, as Rick told us on the pod, he wants some other guys, Kyle Connor, you know, either's maybe to take more of a leadership role in that team. And I'm curious to see if it works because on paper, you know, definitely in goal and their forward group, like they should be a competitive team. You know, their defense to me is is a little bit of a question mark, right? Like I, they've got some good defenders in Morrissey and Schmidt. Neil Pionk has, has really become a good goal, uh, good defenseman. Um, Logan Stanley is just a, a huge human uh, on the back end that, that I think, you know, if, if he's your number four, he can play even more minutes. He helps you. But yeah, Winnipeg's got a... I think that was a prime example, Frank, when people don't think the emotional element of the game matters. I think Winnipeg was a poster boy last year where the emotion wasn't going in the right direction for that team. It wasn't cohesive and it it caused a a lot of uh, bubbling under the surface issues. And and let's be fair too. They need more from Connor Hellebuck. He's a great goalie, but a nine, 10 last year is is not going to cut it. And I realized some of the underlying numbers might've been okay, but he still gave up the most goals against in the league and did not lead the league in minutes. Yeah, no, that definitely an area he's got to improve. So those are the three that did do the jets get in Frank. I don't think so. You don't think so. All right. So five teams in the central made the playoffs last year. We'll uh, now we'll go from top down and we'll start of course with the uh, Colorado avalanche and their general manager, our guest today in the pod, Mr. McFarland. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Our next guest has his name freshly engraved on the Stanley Cup, and he started his career with the Columbus Blue Jackets as director of hockey ops, becoming assistant general manager before spending the last seven seasons with the Colorado Avalanche as assistant GM to Joe Sackick before being promoted to general manager this summer after helping the Avs to the Stanley Cup. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome to the podcast Chris McFarland. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And um, so what's what's this feeling been like basking in the glow of the Stanley Cup to now turn the page? You have a promotion and a new title, but your sights are set on going and chasing another one. Yeah, it's been an incredible, uh, you know, last season was incredible. Dream come true. It's it's something that I think everybody in hockey, you know, dreams about. And, and you know, talking with Joe many times over the years, it's something that you just you can't describe really until, until those seconds tick off and, and, and the guys got it done. So it was an incredible, uh, incredible feeling. And, um, you know, it was a, a, a whirlwind, uh, those, those next few weeks and, and days kind of all blended together, but just, just to see the, the joy on, on so many people's faces and just so proud of our guys and the team and coaches and everything in between. So it was just a, just a great, great feeling. And Chris, there was a lot of business to tend to shortly after the fact. It's always amazing seeing the Stanley Cup champs on the draft floor because everyone's just kind of regrouping from the win, yet you're turning the page to the new season and, and you took a big business item off of your plate uh, this week with getting Nathan McKinnon signed to an eight-year, $100.6 million extension. What's the sense of, of getting that done? Is it just a feel of relief to know that you have a player like McKinnon locked up long-term? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, he's a, a really important player for us, right? He, he's our number one center. He's, he's one of the top players in the game. Uh, he does so much for us, his, his power, his speed, his, his pace of play drives so many things for us. So, um, you know, that was really, that was a priority. I think as you guys can, you know, know that those are, those are big deals and, and they can take time and, you know, we wanted to get it done. I know it's something Nate wanted it wanted to get done. It maybe took a little longer than what he wanted to do, but you're just trying to find that sweet spot, right? That the player can be happy and and the club can you know try and uh, navigate the salary cap challenges uh, the next few years and and try and keep that as much of that core together as possible. But uh, you know, you guys see Nate, you know how how important he is to our lineup and. Uh, to have that number one center locked up and you know Nate's Nate's 27 you know that you know he's not you know 31 or 32 I think that that was a big part of it and we know how well he takes care of himself and and hopefully that uh, you know hopefully there'll be another contract for him after this one's up. Chris you know you, you mentioned you know the player being happy and I've always respected Nathan McKinnon's honesty he said hey I didn't really love having the moniker best value player in the NHL and so 
when you were negotiating this, you know, he's now the highest paid player and, and probably that might only last t- till next summer when other renegotiations right. come. But was that important? Like from, from an optics perspective for you and for him to, to just have that, to kind of show, Hey, this is how valuable we see him. Yeah. Uh, you'd have, you know, Nate could probably speak better to that. I think, you know, this was a, a challenging one for just to find that the sweet spot. I think Pat and Brisson did a great job for Nate and, and, and listen, if this doesn't happen, if Nate doesn't believe in the abs and, and, and want, you know, believing what we can do and, and, and his role in that. So I think, you know, what took time was just finding that sweet spot, you know, cap cap number wise, uh, you know, we have to keep one eye on, you know, what we've got coming up in the, in the next few years to try and keep as much core together. But I think the, the number that, that we hit on yesterday was, was fair for both, for both. We're thrilled for Nathan, you know, he earned every cent of that deal. And uh, we're glad that we can, that we can focus on hockey knowing we have such a, such a key piece in place, you know, the, the center position is so crucial and, and to have that one locked up and, uh, for for the next now you know, really nine years is was really important, and that's the key. He is still a six point three cap hit for this coming season, and right. with all the projections, you know he'll jump up to twelve point six. But then in his second year, the cap there's lots of rumors. Frank's being talked about it might jump up nine million dollars right in that year. When when you were doing your estimations, Chris, because it's very usually the cap goes up every year. Obviously, the last right. few years it's been flat. But how much of of this deal was based on the projections of you knowing in a few years, the cap will take a significant jump. And, and, and that really kind of, you know, clears up your team, especially with McCarr and Rantanen and McKinnon and all your more, more key guys locked up. Well, I, I think you're hitting on it, Jason. I think you're, you're bang on. You have to go through those, you know, run it through those lenses, right. And, and map it out. And, and, and next year is going to be a challenge. There's no doubt. It's uh, you know, whether the cap goes to 83, five or, uh, you know, a little bit more than that. You know, I think that's that's where you know the most up to date projections are. Obviously, we would love love it for it to to jump a little bit higher than that, and and then hopefully get those uh, you know bigger chunk increments over the next few years. So that that's certainly a big part of the analysis, and and uh, you know hopefully uh, you know in the next few years that will come to fruition. Chris, I wanted to talk about your path to the general manager chair. It feels like a long time coming, given the interest that um, some other teams have had in speaking to you over the last number of years. Does it feel different now being in the chair? And, and what's the communication process like with Joe? How hands-on will Joe be over the next number of years alongside you? Well, Joe, Joe's the Joe's the president, so he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be involved for sure. He was a huge help with this uh, with this most recent deal. Um, you know, he's the, he's the face of the franchise. You know, number nineteen hangs in the rafters. You know, he's a he's a massive massive resource for us. And uh, I don't think you know we work really well together. So uh, you know, I'd be crazy not to tap tap into that, which which I will. We talk hockey every day, so I don't think much will change. Um, you know, on that. Uh, obviously, being in uh, having the dream come true and, and having one of the, one of the, the GM chairs is, is, is an honor. Uh, it's something that I've been, you know, uh, dreaming about for a long time and, and, but, you know, one wasn't in a rush and had lots to learn over the years and learned from, you know, a lot of great people and a lot of great colleagues around the national hockey league. So 
it's very humbling and 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 very thankful that uh you know for for joe to to do this was was amazing for me and my family so it's it's exciting and i couldn't be happier well it's well earned chris you know you mentioned a lot to learn over the years and you've had a number of different people to help you along the way but as you've navigated this process what's it been like you know having eyes on a bunch of different departments and then kind of now overseeing it all do you feel like all of the different facets of the game that you've worked in have prepared you for this moment I believe so. Uh, I believe so, Frank. I think, you know, starting in Columbus, that was, uh, you know, coming in on the ground floor with with an expansion team and, and getting the opportunity to work with Doug McLean and, and Bob Strum and Paul Castron and Don Boyd in those early years and Jimmy Clark and and then Scott Housen giving me an opportunity to to become an assistant general manager, that was a that was a really big step, and and overseeing the minor league operations and doing contracts, and and then obviously that that first uh, lockout in in uh, going back a ways there, you know, with the introduce the introduction of the salary cap was was something that um, you know was uh, I was able to add to my toolbox and and uh, was a was a big thing big piece for me. Um, you know, and then continuing with Yarmo and and JD and 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 that's and grabbing on more of the a pro scouting role, but being familiar with amateur scouting and the college process, and again, just just learning bits and pieces from from those guys and in a day to day setting and and picking the brains of my colleagues around you know around around the league, guys that had been around and were AGMs and then became GMs were were always so amazing and, and uh, to talk to and, and pick their brains on things and, and to, to watch and see what, what teams were having success and why and analyzing that and running it through the lenses and, um, you know, just thinking and, and immersing yourself in the, in the day-to-day world of NHL. It's been, it's been incredible. And, um, you know, but all that time was, was time well spent. So. Chris, it is a unique story. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, you played at Pace University, of course, and then then you went on and you started interning in the NHL's uh, office. I think you were working in the NHL production side on the business. Yeah. And then you, of course, got with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, five or six years later after you graduated mm-hmm. law school. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have the skill to play in the NHL, but obviously you're passionate and want to get into the NHL. What advice do you have for, for maybe, you know, if you go back to 1993, 94, a Chris McFarland, and now you look ahead to 2022, 23, you're an NHL GM, one of only 32 in the league. That's a really significant climb and it wasn't fast, but you took a lot of steps. What advice do you give to people that are maybe like you just passionate about hockey and are like, Hey, I know I can't be there on the ice, but I want to be involved in the game. Well, it's a great question, Jason, and one that I get asked a lot. I, you know, I, there's not a roadmap, right? Like, it's not like you go to go to college and get a CPA, take accounting classes, take a CPA, and, and and do that. And and I and I knew well enough to know that 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 was true. So I, I did what probably a lot of people did. I I wrote letters, believe it or not. You know, that was my path back then. There was no email and stuff like that, but. Um, you know, people like Lou Lamorello, Marshall Johnston, Larry Plo. I grew up in New York, so I, I tapped into those local markets, the late great Al Arbor. Uh, you know, these were these were people that were kind enough to to write back and and invite me down to their offices and 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 give, you know, I, I told them I wanted to be a scout, right? That was my 
that's what I wanted to get really ultimately do is I dreamt of being a pro scout and being part of a, a national hockey league, you know, operations department as a, as a scout and, and could see where it went. And, um, you know, through the advice of those guys, uh, they were awesome. And, uh, that led me to getting an internship on the business side in the NHL and just to get my foot in the door and I'd walk down the hall and, and, and bother Mr. Brian Burke and, uh, you know, it was it was through his suggestion to to do ultimately what I wanted to do. He, you know, he, he felt law school, which should be, you know, on my radar. And 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 that's what I did. And I'm, I'm not sure that's the the best approach for everyone. It was a, a quite the endeavor. But, uh, you know, ultimately, the the timing of it with with the Blue Jackets and Wild entering in as as uh, I was you know, finishing up, it, it couldn't have worked out out better. But uh, without the help of those people, Jason and Frank, you know, just willing to give their time as on a phone call or uh, to invite me down to their offices, it gave me hope, um, you know, and I was scouting on my own and, you know, in a rudimentary way and would send them, you know, the, the thoughts and, and, and they would give me feedback and, and that kept me going and it kept my dream alive. So that they were amazing, but that was, that was really key. I, I think today you've got to find a way to add value, right? Like uh, teams, I'm sure are no different than ours, get letters and emails and resumes all the time, but you, you've got to find a way to add value to an organization uh, as, as much as you appreciate being fans of the game. Um, you, that's what, that's what teams are looking for is how you can help. And, and I, and I think there are ways to do that. I like that, you know, you had a goal. You wanted to be a pro scout and, and obviously you reached that goal and then obviously you pivoted and wanted other ones. How did you learn the scouting game, Chris? Um, what, you know, what was advice for you? What, what was your rudimentary entry level into scouting and what was your approach? That's a, that's a great question. I, I think I was like every, everyone else growing up. I knew I, I wasn't going to be a, a, a great player or anything like that. I was a terrible player. I grew up in, in Rockland County, New York, loved the, Grew up loving, loving the Rangers, but we had the Islanders and the Devils, and I, I just fell in love with the NHL. The, the 80 Olympic win uh, for for the U.S. was was a big was a big uh, moment for me that kind of clicked, and just fell in love with the game and and wanted to figure out a way as I was moving th- moving along is how can I take this passion and uh, probably like you guys you know dreamed of uh, you know the team element and putting things together was, was something that just uh, blew my mind really. And, and something that I, I gravitated towards. And um, again, it was just in high school and, and how am I going to do this? That was the, how am I going to figure this out? And, and honestly, it was those, those meetings with those people that said, you can do this, you know, you, you can. And it was, it was put B- VCRs, Jason. I didn't miss any any games that were on in the local metro area. It was yes. It was it was it was taping. It was watching. It was tracking things that I thought you know would make sense in a rudimentary way for to add value and and that sort of thing. And and then with with people like I said, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but people like Marshall Johnston and. And Mr. Lamorello and 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 Mr. Arbor, you know, had me over to his house uh, to give me, you know, here's some scouting forms that the Islanders use, you know, and and was kind enough to let me send in my stuff. And that just continued on when I was an undergrad. And 
And then eventually the baby steps of getting my foot in the door in the league office. I, I was on the marketing side initially in the international marketing side, which I knew nothing about that. Um, <laughs> but I, the goal was to try and, you know, sheepishly peek my head down the hall and see what hockey guys were around. And, um, and, and they were great uh, to always lend an ear. So I'm uh, very, very fortunate to have so much help at a young age, really, honestly. VCRs and letters. I love it, Chris. It's a great reminder for everyone that's trying to break in to beat down that door to try and add value. Uh, but it's also a good reminder for the people that are in positions of power to be able to find time to lend to those people that are trying to come up and, and provide some uh, mentoring and guidance. I wanted to ask you um, to pivot to this year's team. Um, one of the toughest things when you experience a lot of success and win a Stanley Cup is who do we bring back who falls by the wayside? Not everyone can come back from a championship team, unfortunately. And some of those decisions are sort of self-evident when you look at the salary cap and, and who can make it. But, um, you know, Nazem Kadri not coming back, Nicholas Abe Kubel, you know, there's a list of guys. Um, how tough was that process? And especially for a guy like Naz that maybe lingered on the market for a bit this summer, um, did those conversations, did you entertain those at a certain point this summer to maybe see if you could try and make it work? Absolutely. We, you know, Naz, Naz Kadri had a uh, tremendous three years for us, culminated in, you know, last year into a, an incredible season, regular season and, and playoffs. Um, and, you know, he, he was a big piece for us. He was, he anchored our, you know, one of our top six lines, you know, if McKinnon, you know, had to miss a game or two here, he doesn't miss many, but, uh, you know, we knew Nas could, Nas could carry, carry the load as a, as a top guy as well. So he, he was a big, big part of, of what we were, you know, what we were about added to our depth in a significant way, right? That number two center hole was, is a big, big part of our lineup our, and our overall depth. And, and we knew Nas was going to be a, a UFA, obviously going into the season and, um, but yeah, at the end of the year, you, you want to try and find a way to make it work. You, you, like I said, you know, you look at it through all the lenses, right? The, this year's cap. And then, you know, more, you know, as importantly, if not more importantly, what you've got, you know, next year and the year after that, what's coming. And, and it, it became, it became a, 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 obviously a bigger, a big challenge for us to make that the math work, uh, coming off the year NAS had. So, we, we tried, you know, we, we certainly, you know, talked to, to Darren Ferris uh, multiple times along the way, both, you know, leading into free agency and after. And, you know, I think, you know, Naz got a, got a great deal there with, with Calgary and he'll be a great piece for them. So he'll be missed here, but, you know, that's certainly the, the challenge of the salary cap puzzle. And, and with the cap being flat both this year and, and maybe not as big of a jump as, as we would have liked next year, certainly, you know, didn't make it easy. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. How do you balance some of the young guys that are pushing for spots? You know, Alex Newhook, I'm sure wants more opportunity and, and, you know, you have a guy like Ben Myers that's knocking on the door with the security of bringing back some guys that were big parts of, of winning for your team last year. Darren Helm was great in the playoffs. Andrew Cogliano was an important pickup. How do you push and, you know, manage that push and pull with guys that are trying to break in and, and some guys that have been around for a bit? That's uh, a good question. I think that's the, that's the challenge. I think, you know, and talking with Joe and, and Jared, and I think at the, 
the organizational cycle that we're in. I think earning earning a, a lineup spot is is a big is a big part of you know for the Avalanche now. You know, Alex uh, certainly you know played a key role for us. He was a high pick, you know, drafted as a a, a center iceman. It 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 it's obvious, you know, we're we're screaming for you know him to to grab a, a bigger piece of that pie, you know, uh, obviously he's still on an entry level contract. So to see him take a step and, and try and grab, you know, a, a bigger slice of the ice time pie in the, in the middle of the ice would be huge for us. You know, with that said, we, we can't, you know, his play will dictate that. And, and we know he's going to be a good player, how fast, you know, he can he can graduate and perform in the middle of the ice. That'll that'll be up to him, and and his play will tell us that. Uh, but we're really excited about you know that piece. And I you know you mentioned Ben Myers, you know I, I we we were we liked Ben Myers in college. You know we went into it you know with obviously open you know you know hope hopeful that we can take a good swing and and see and um, you know what a win that was for you guys. It, it was big. It was big for us because, you know, it, it potentially gives us, a, you know, a, a, a bottom six piece um, that can play and that can play at an AV that, let's face it, we really need this year and, and next year. And and for Ben to, to, to realize that and to see that and to and to believe in himself uh, was, was a really, really nice pickup for us. And, and we're really excited to see him here in, in training camp. And you know, with that said too, uh, guys, you know, that we have, we have spots and, you know, we're, we're clamoring for guys that in that price point silo to, to make an impact on our team, whether it's, you know, a Martin Kaut, uh, you know, we signed Lucas Sedlak back from the KHL. He has a familiarity with, with, with Bednar from, you know, their, their Cleveland days and, and his game evolved in the KHL and, you know, Anton Bleed came, you know, came over late in the summer, you know, um, you know, Helmer and, and Cogs were, like you said, were big pieces for us. Uh, really, really big in the, especially down the stretch and in the postseason. you know, we want to keep them fresh for that time of year. So there's, there's, there's going to be uh, some good minutes for, for young legs as to, to be earned though, to be earned. One of those spots, of course, is your second line center with the departure of Nazem Kadri. Chris, I'm sure Avs fans want to know who, like, when you look at that competition, you got to be excited. To, who do you see as the front runners, and what are you hoping to get from your second line C this year? Yeah, great question, Jason. I think it's 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 going to be something that's going to probably evolve, whether it's through training camp or or the early part of the season. It's cer- certainly something that we're excited to see. It's we understand why people are. You know, looking at that, you know, Naz was such an integral part for us. But I think going in, we feel we feel pretty comfortable, you know, with where it's at now. We know we know Miko can do it. Uh, we know we can go McKinnon and Rantanen in the middle of the ice, and then JT Comfer has anchored our third line for for years. You know, he's a, a really good two way player, one of our few right handed shot uh, elements as well. But I think that's where. You know, we're going to look at new hook in the middle of the ice. Um, you know, he he got his his feet wet last year, played, played probably middle six wing for for most of the year. But he he can play fast. He's got a scoring pedigree in him, you know, so we're you know, we're going to look at that, obviously, here early on in camp and and probably early on in the in the preseason. And then I think Evan Rodriguez, Evan Rodriguez was going to 
is is also a, was the perfect player for us um you know to be able to to have him trust uh, our organization and, and sign with us late in the you know late in the summer he can he can play middle he can play wing if if alex comes comes fast we know evan can play you know third line center he can play third line wing he can play second line wing he's got that elevator ability to to go up and down a lineup and and plug and play a lot of roles power play as well so we're, we we think between those those players mentioned um, that we can that we can certainly we're excited to see what it looks like anyway and and then bank cap space um, you know and, and if we have to attack something in during the year we'll attack it uh, at the right time. Chris, uh, once you win, it's it's almost like this you know this drug a little bit. You're like, oh my goodness, I want to win again. I want that feeling. And you know, Julian Brisebois talked about the fact that you know when you want to repeat, you want to give your guys the best chance to repeat. Last year, you guys made five in-season acquisitions from waivers or trades. Do you expect to be similarly busy? Like, do you, do you have that man? I, I owe it to our guys after winning once to make sure that uh, we're right there to do it again. Yeah, I, well, Julian's the right guy to uh, to talk to. And, and obviously he's done, done a great, they've done an awesome job there for many, many years. I think last year, uh, Jason, we were, we were navigating the cap and I think that's something obviously that's not going to change for us, but I, I think the play of our, we got off to a rough, you know, a, a rough start last year. We weren't, you know, we weren't clicking probably the first, I don't know, 10, 15 games of the year. And, um, you know, but then the, the guys got on a, got on a, a real good run, um, played real good hockey consistently for, for a long period of time. And I, you know, I think in talking with, with Joe and, and obviously as we, you know, we were moving along co the coaches, um, you know, Joe ultimately felt, and we agreed obviously that this group earned, earned the trust and earned the right to, to take a serious kick at it. And, and, and we, we paid a steep price. We, you know, we, we paid, you know, two top prospects and Drew Hellison and Justin Barron to bring in Josh Manson and, and Lekkinen and, um, you know, and then, then move Tyson Jost uh, for Nico Sturm and uh, Nico's the savings on that allowed us to, to bring in Cogliano as well. So, uh, I think our players earned that right. I think that that's the best way to put it, um, to be all, to push, you know, as Joe would say, push all the chips into the middle. And, and that's what we did at the deadline. And, um, you know, I think it'll be similar probably, hopefully this year, you know, we've got, you know, Georgiev and, you know, we, we traded for Georgiev and uh, in net to, to share with Francois and see how that goes. We, we've got some, a little bit more cap space to start the year with this year. So, we want to see, you know, Bo, Bo Byram can can hopefully, you know, stay healthy. We're really excited about, you know, his what he can do. Yeah, I think you guys saw how, you know, when Gerard went down in the in the round two, that was a potential big loss for us. And it was a big loss for us. He's such a key puck mover for us. But to see what Bo did and, um, you know, how he handled himself in, in a crucial time of the year after missing, uh, you know, the last few months was was really impressive and, and important for us. So that's something we'll obviously watch, but I think, yeah, we're, you know, we, we hope to be a team that we feel the same as, as the season moves along and so many things have to go right, but um, you know, we, you know, you gotta be mindful of what chips you do have as well and, and, and keep an eye on, 
on the future because those those entry level talents are going to are so important too. So it'll be something uh, to watch. That's for sure. And uh, Chris, we always like to end our interviews with a little bit of rapid fire uh, for yeah. fun. Uh, the only rule is you have to answer the questions. So uh, here we go. All right. Um, a young Chris McFarland, which New York Ranger was the one guy you wanted to meet? Uh, Adam Graves. Have you met him? Yeah, I did meet Adam. Yeah, I did. at the uh, When I was working at the NHL uh, internship, I, we worked at NHL All-Star Game. And I was working uh, in the in the bowels of the arena and uh, got to shake his hand. So I ha- I have met him. Yes. Did you get a picture? I did actually. Out of boy, as you yeah. should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, if a fan or you know, like you wanted to approach Chris McFarland, is email or a letter the best way to get your attention? E- either one, either one would work. I I I I think you hit it on the head earlier. I I do like to talk to you know to young people trying to to get their foot in the door and it's something that i that i think is is important to do for because of you know probably because of, of all the people that did it for me i think it's uh, important to do when you had time to exhale what was your what is your celebratory beverage of choice uh oof, that's a good one mick ultra probably Okay. Oh, keeping it tight. I like it. Yeah. Um, what is your guilty pleasure food? Ooh, pizza. Do you like pineapple on your pizza? No. No. No, I'm from New York. No. Oh, okay. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Nice. So you like a little bit of a thin crust. Okay. I can respect yeah, that. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, if someone's coming to Denver, Colorado, and you're taking them out for dinner, what's the best place to go and why? Uh, I'm partial to, I live in, uh, by our practice facility and there's a, a place called the Parker garage, which is just, a, a downtown, uh, uh, locally owned mom and pop place, but it's got really, really good, you know, traditional burgers, salmon, you know, whatever, but it's a, it's a really good spot. Sneaky, good spot. What did you do on your day with the cup? We took it locally to the Parker police department took it to our practice facility where we had a bunch of the local youth hockey, uh, you know, teams. Uh, my little guy plays uh, uh, his youth hockey here. So we felt that was something we wanted to do. And then, and then uh, nothing crazy. We had family and friends in the afternoon and, and rented a little spot at night. And it was, it was been, it's been so hot in Denver, um, you know, all summer long. And then, the next day on it's been hot on on my day with the cup it was 46 degrees oh, so we had so we got, I almost melted during the cup yeah, final right i know <laughs> it was it was crazy but it it we made we it was an awesome day so nothing nothing can could take away from it but it did have to we did have to tweak some of the the outdoor wow. plans that we had oh geez now, Chris, uh, you are now an NHL general manager. So in a fantasy world, if you could be a GM of any other sport, which one and why? Baseball. I was uh, before before hockey grabbed me, you know, with that 80 uh, with that 80 win and, and, and being a, you know, a New York Ranger uh, guy as a as a young kid. Um, before that, the uh, and still to this day, the Yankees. I that Yankees are another guilty pleasure. That's that's more where my fandom comes out. I love the Yankees as all my life, so that would be it. 
All right, finally, how many home runs is Aaron Judge going to finish with? Uh, 62. 62. I like it. Uh, Chris, fantastic stuff, man. Uh, congratulations on just a great career path. Uh, I think a, a really a real good role model for a lot of people to see. Just stick with it and, and bide your time, and success comes for those who work hard. Congratulations. Thanks for joining Frank and I on the pod. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. It was, I appreciate it. It was fun. And I really enjoyed that interview with Chris. Uh, I love his story. And, you know, there, there's lots of listeners out there that, you know, like Chris and ourselves, not good enough to play in the National Hockey League, but, but want to be around. And, you know, write a letter, send an email. You never know. You just got to get your foot in the door, get out to some rinks uh, if you want to be a scout. And I love to go, for me, I wanted to be a pro scout. And he got to do that. And then obviously now he's, uh, he's even higher up uh, as the GM. Now, when we taped that with Chris uh, late last week, there wasn't the announcement yet about Landeskog, Frank. So we should touch on that quickly he's obviously not ready to go to uh, start the season no Kadri Burakovsky they're gone like the abs are you know they got McKinnon you got Ranton and you got McCarr like they're obviously very good but you know would, would, there is some questions in goal a little bit because you know what uh, Georgiev's never been a starter Georgiev excuse me it are is Colorado better or worse or are they the same I think they I think they're a little worse. Yeah, like they didn't replace Kadri straight up. How could you? I mean, he's an 80-some point scorer like from last year. It's not going to happen. Um, it's a really big bet that they made on Val Nachushkin. Eight years, 49 million bucks. It's 6.125 a year. 52 points last year. His previous career high was 34, and he hadn't done that since 2013-14. Yeah. Well, we'll 52 see. in 62 games. Like he was phenomenal in the playoffs. Like I, at toward the end, I was toying with the idea, especially how well he played in the final of giving him a third place vote for, um, for the cons. That's how good he was, but I don't have as much confidence as Colorado does that he can do it again. Yeah. Well, they do you? Him the, well, it's a fair question, Frank. Like he is such a unique, like to, to go from zero goals in an NHL season to two years later being that productive. And um, you know, it never it's, it's, happens. Yeah, it's never happens. Obviously not. So uh, I, you know what, if, if he like 52 and 62, you know, that, that point per game percentage, probably a little bit high, but let's say he's just like a 55 to 60 point player in, mm -hmm. in a full 82 game season, then he's fine based on his cap hit. So he obviously is going to get lots of opportunity. Like the competition in their top six for ice time isn't there. I think they might rely on their top guys a little bit more, maybe at times this year, but their top guys are still good. Like McKinnon's elite, right? Like McKinnon can handle more minutes. No problem. And Kale McCarr is only getting better. Bowen Byram's, I think only getting better on the back end. So my only, my concern more so isn't their skaters. I'm just concerned about like Darcy Kemper. I know everybody remembers the playoffs. Like, Oh, they won without him in the playoffs, but Colorado got off to kind of a slow start. And then when they turned it up, Darcy Kemper was on fire. He had like a 928 save percentage there in December, January, and February. He was great. And, you know, he might have been even great in the playoffs if he didn't have the eye issues. So I, I'm, if you don't, goaltending, anytime you have a little bit of question mark in goaltending, Frank, like, I, I think Colorado might be hard pressed to have as many points as they had last year. They're still obviously going to be, they're a legit playoff team, no doubt. And they're a cup contender. And I think McFarland knows that. I won't be surprised if Colorado makes a few moves during the season. Yeah, I'm I'm not sold on Georgiev as a starter. I think he played really well his first three years as a backup, maybe four. Probably not even four, because 
you know, when you look at last year, 33 games played is a pretty significant chunk. And to be under 900 save percentage, I know part of that, there was a ton of frustration baked into Georgiev's game because yeah. he wanted to be a starter and thought he was ready. And in fact, let the Rangers know last summer that he wanted to change the scenery if he didn't have the opportunity to be a starter. But his numbers say otherwise. And I really like Francois. He showed me a lot in the playoffs, 6-0, and uh, and really gave them a shot in the arm in terms of confidence. But the fact that Francois played as well as he did last year in the playoffs, Kemper played as poorly as he did, and they still immediately went right back to Kemper, probably tells you what they think of Francois and his game for the long haul, um, not quite up to the same level. So um, they're... Their top six on their blue line, like I'd put it up against anyone. Do they have enough to replace what they lost up front? I'm not certain, but the the question in goal is a real one. Yeah, well, I'll say Francis won a lot of games. And save a lot of pucks, though, so I, I can see why he's not the uh, starter. But yeah, the the Avs will be interesting to see what a healthy Bowen Byram, oh, a healthy, man. you know, you get Josh Manson now for the whole season. Yeah, no, their defense. Goal. Healthy Sam Gerrard. Like, I mean, that's, it's bananas how good that decor is. Well, and their decor is that good. I think they're, they're, their forward group is, is solid defensively. They don't need spectacular goaltending. I think the system in front is going to protect their goalies. Hail McCarr is so underpaid. <laughs> now, let's get to uh, the team that finished second last year, the uh, the Minnesota Wild, who, of course, now they start in uh, in cap hell a little bit, Frank, with all the uh, the dead cap space uh, due to the buyouts. And, you know, they lost Fiala. That, like, that's a, an 89-point, an 85-point player. Um, Kulikov and Talbot are also gone. Um, we've got Gustafson, uh, Sam Steele. Really, that's it. Uh, you know, Yost and Middleton were joined uh, late last season. So, but the Fiala, like that's a significant, um, a significant loss when you have an 85 point player. Um, what do you make of the, uh, of the wild and, and where they sit? I, I have them hard pressed to finish second in the vision. I think hard pressed is, is probably fair. I, I think they're right in that mix though. Cause here's why I think this team is incredibly difficult to play against on a night in and night out basis. I think their goaltending is going to be excellent again with Marc-Andre Fleury now for the full season. Uh, he takes the starter share. I think he's so much better when he gets the lion's share of the work. Um, I, I think their blue line is is mobile. Um, and I just think their forwards grind you down. They're really difficult to play against. And I know the Wild, if you follow the reporting from Michael Russo at The Athletic, they're on the prowl to try and add a forward now here before oh, yeah. the season starts, they're going to see if they can pry one of these guys. That's a, maybe a salary cap casualty from another team. They enter the year with um, a few million bucks in cap space, which is pretty amazing for a team that has 12.7 million in dead cap and 14.7 each of the next two seasons that follow. But I, I really like this group. They've got skill and they've got edge. Right now, Frank, they have 5.7 million cap space. And that's after the 12 dead. So you think about that, that's like $17 million in cap space less than a lot of the other teams right now. Like in actual players on the ice, because you got 12 million of space that's not helping you. Like you can have a bad contract, but the player still plays. They've got 12 million in contracts that aren't playing. So yeah, I'm with you. I think the Wild are a team that Bill Guerin uh, could, could make a move, no question. They still got Kirill the Thrill, 
Dollar Bill, uh, I love him as a player. I really enjoy watching him. Um, their defense is pretty solid top to bottom. Jacob Middleton's another great uh, late developing story mm-hmm. from a guy who you know was sleeping in his car, sleeping on friends' couches a few years ago, and here he is now. I think he's kind of legit top four in, in that Minnesota defense. And they're big, and they play hard. You are bang on. And the one player to watch for all our fantasies, Matt Boldy. If there's I was just going to say, I don't think we gave him nearly enough love last year. I was really thinking about putting him pretty high on my Calder list, but the fact that he only played 47 games, but still 39 points in 47, he was unreal. Can he do that again? Yeah. Well, he's probably the best bet to be the guy who, you know, is going to replace the offense lost by Fiala. No question about it. And, so. and what about Marco Rossi? Like, is he ready to make an impact on this team? Yeah. And well, the big question to me is, can Ryan Hartman repeat what he did last year? Right. Like he had, they had 30 goals, man. Like yeah. an unreal season for, for him. So, and another two years at 1.7. What a bargain. Yeah. He is a, he's a steal. So where do you have the wild in the central? I have the wild third. Third. Okay. Now we go to the blues. Of course, uh, they were very close St. Louis and Minnesota last season. And, and you look at St. Louis, not a ton of changes. A few, right. Perron is out. Um, Huso and goal is out. And now Scandella is basically done for the year. Uh, they bring in now they have Nick Letty all year. I kind of have him as new because he came at the deadline and Grice. That's really kind of it. St. Louis is bringing back a lot of their guys and uh, they've shown a boatload of confidence in their young players and Cairo and Thomas and feel like as they should. They're going to have a, 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 a transition kind of on the go, which you just don't see very often in the National Hockey League, to go from being a really competitive team and say, oh, here's our young guys, and they're just going to take over um, from, from our veteran guys and Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Not take over per se, but you know, almost you know, the, the more offensive guys. So my question, St. Louis, is I have as a playoff team. I actually have them finishing second. Me is, too. What about Tarasenko? Does he stay there all year? What's your thoughts on him? My guess is that they keep him all year and he just walks at the end of it. Okay. He's too valuable to what they want to do. And especially if he's anywhere close to the player that he was last year, 82 points and 34 goals. That was a career year for him. Career year uh, producing assists and, you know, not quite at his previous 40 goal mark, but pretty darn close and, and back to being the explosive player that, um, we had seen for so long. So um, Tarasenko, hugely important to their group, but you hit on the head. What I really like most about St. Louis is their ability to turn this over as they've remained competitive the whole time, giving more opportunity to Cairo and Thomas who have earned it and sort of ripped it off. But at the same time, still relying on the vets that they have, like it's so rare to have that transition 23 and 24 year olds become hugely important to what you do. Um, I, I think my only question about St. Louis is really, are you a Jordan Biddington believer? Good question. Really good question. Here's a fun stat about the Central, Frank. As of today, right now, the St. Louis Blues have the highest cap, total cap hit in the Central, which is 16th overall in the National Hockey League. It's crazy. Now, Dallas doesn't have Robertson. We'll get to them in a second. Right? Doesn't have him signed. In Minnesota, we know they'll maybe use some space. But you consider that not one team in the Central is in the top 15 right now in cap so it's just a unique little stat that I find uh, interesting for a team that a division that has some really good teams. Yeah. And they've got some guys coming too in St. Louis. Um, 
you know, Jake neighbors is a guy that played a few games last year before going back to the oil Kings. He played nine, his nine games and his contract slid. Um, he's a supremely talented player. Um, and, you know, when you look at Zachary Bolduc, probably not ready yet, but the big guy for me is, is Scott Perunovich. The, yes. you know, he's so, so talented. Gotta stay healthy. Um, what was that quote from Doug Armstrong a couple weeks ago? You, you can't make the club from the tub. Um, they've got opportunity. Marco Scandella out for the year, most likely. Um, you know, there, there's some, some minutes to be had on their back end, I think. And I could easily see him with this group, you know, as the year goes on, biting off more and more. Think about Jake Neighbors. He really kind of fits into St. Louis. St. Louis has had a lot of players. David Prawn's probably the prime example, who aren't the most fleet of foot that are very hardworking. That's what Neighbors is, right? So Neighbors is a, is a top pick who could easily start and be comfortable playing in the bottom six in the style that he plays. But I I, I think he's he's going to have to gain a little bit of speed. I think to be a scorer and a point producer at the National Hockey League level. But I, but we've I, seen a lot of guys figure that out, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I won't be stunned, Frank. Like, I think St. Louis, they look and say, okay, is Neighbors better to play a ton of minutes in the AHL or does he play in, in like, our third or fourth line? I think if he's on your third line and gets some penalty kill time, then no problem. But if, if he's not on your special teams unit as a rookie, do you want him only playing 10, 11 minutes a night? I, that's a question for St. Louis. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I also think we haven't talked enough about Ryan O'Reilly and his contracts at situation there's been so much focus you know in vancouver on bo horvat in the last year of his deal what about o'reilly in the last year of his deal at seven and a half um you know a selkie trophy winner like the heart and soul of this team and you talk about the way st louis plays um you know they're they're also difficult to play against and a big reason for that is someone like o'reilly oh yeah, a huge leader for that team. Huge leader. So, you know, Terry's He's 31 and he turns 32 in February. What kind of term do you give him? Five years. At what cap hit? I could see it coming in pretty much the same what he's at. Maybe a slight bump, right? Like he he's he's still the emotional leader of your team, I believe. He's, you know, he's productive. If he's 7.5 to 8, I, you know what? I, I could see it being realistic. It's all, it all depends on, you know, does he want the big cap hit and the big term, right? Because I'm not sure St. Louis can do that when they've locked up uh, Cairo and Thomas for their long-term deals at over eight. O'Reilly career earnings, $75.7 million heading into this season. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. Pretty, yeah. pretty good. So uh, I have the Blues second. You? Same, second. Okay. I've right. got uh, Colorado one, St. Louis two, Minnesota three. Now that leaves us the two teams that uh, were the two wildcard teams last year in the, uh, in the West. And uh, we'll start with the Dallas stars who right now, Frank, um, no Jason Robertson. And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like they're, they're very close on, on a contract. Although you and I both know that can they'll get it done, right? Like they'll get it done, but do they get it done? Like Willie Nylander style where we're talking November, is this happening in October? Is he going to start the season? Because history tells us, if he misses any period of time, like two, two, three weeks into the season, Frank, and he's trying to play catch up, he's like the hamster on the wheel and he's spinning, but he ain't going very far. And that could be a huge blow for the uh, stars because Jason Robertson is arguably their most important forward. I think he is their most important forward. I don't, I don't think it's very close Then you know, the next most important forward. I don't know. Who is it? Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints. Probably also in the last year of his deal. 
uh, and do a massive, massive raise. So uh, my guess is the temperature really gets turned up once you hit October. Once the calendar says October and you're dealing with, hey, is this guy going to be able to get in before the end of camp? I think that's a huge pressure point. But until then, I don't know. I I, I think they're going to try and hold out. And it's not a holdout because um, he's a restricted free agent, but they uh, he's in a spot where he really he's going to get paid. It, the question is, if you're going that long term, what does the number look like? Like you could make a case for the strides that he's taken, and if you're dealing with an eight year deal when you know the cap's going to be going up significantly in two years, like you could make the case that he could be a ten million dollar player on on an eight year deal. Hmm. Um, Dallas, the, the one big reason why you might think they're a playoff team, their new coach, Pete DeBoer, all he does is make the playoffs. So could, he comes into Dallas. Klingberg's gone. Radulov's Except gone. in Vegas last year. Yeah, that's fair. And, uh, and Raffle's gone. Uh, they bring in Marchment and uh, Miller on the back end. Wedgwood is the backup. I, I really like that signing, by the way. And then they just gave up their first for Niels Lundqvist. That's a, yeah, it hasn't been talked about a whole bunch. I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out for them. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's a big bet, but I think when you add him into this decor, it's an incredibly mobile decor. Oh, yes. And and that's saying something with Suter at his age at 37. That's the one signing that really sticks out on their cap is like, did you really need Ryan Suter for that long of a period of time? Did you really need a four-year deal? Yeah, fair. But yeah. I thought he was fine last year. and And I think Minnesota bought him out knowing that he still had plenty of game left. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Yanni Hockenpah, Frank, the defenseman of teams around the league would love, love him, have, man. He's on a great cap hit, and he's just he gets better as a defender. He just knows how to defend. He's strong. He's hard to go against. He's like a buck and a half cap hit. Like it's, he's a steal there in Dallas. Um, I really think, though, the Robertson, Robertson signing Frank is going to be the deciding factor if they're a playoff team or not. Right now, today, I don't have them in because no Robertson. If he signs before the season starts, I might have to change my pick. I think even if he's in, I think they're a team that's going to be scrapping all year. Like, I don't think it's ever going to be smooth sailing for Dallas right now, the way I see it. Like, I don't think they're going to be cruising and always in a playoff spot all year is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And uh, that leaves us to our last central team, the Nashville Predators, who will start the season in Europe. Them and the uh, San Jose Sharks will actually play the first two games of the season in uh, in Prague, in the, in the Czech Republic. And the uh, the Preds, you look at them, you know, need a rider and McDo- huge addition there and Ryan McDonough, uh, Lankin in goal. And then they lose Coonan, Cousins, Riddich, and Benning. So none, none of their major guys, like... They definitely improved. If you just look at Nita Ryer and McDonough in for guys like you know Pick Coonan and um, and and Benning on the back end, that's that's a pretty big upgrade for those two positions for Nashville. Yeah, but I don't think that's what really is going to determine the fate one way or the other of the Pred season. Okay, it, it's really all going to come down to Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson. I think when you look at how big those cap hits are. Matt Duchesne, 43-goal season. His previous career high was 30, and that was back in 2016. His last few years before that, and of course there's a pandemic-shortened season in there, but 6, 13, 31, and 27 and 23. Yeah. 
Well, he had 86 points. Yossi had 96. Cano's two match it. That's going to be hard to do. Well, Johansson was, he had such a big bounce back year too. Mm-hmm. He, you know, his last few years, he was at 36 points in 2020 in a, in a mostly full season. And he was up to 63. Yeah. It was well, back up to his standard. What made the Preds successful last year was the production that they got from, from some of the guys further down in their lineup, I think, too. Third Big line. part of that. Tanner Janot, who we had on the pod, uh, Yakov Trenin. Uh, that line is so difficult to play against. Um, and they've got that same group there. So can they all do it again? That's the question. Would you bet on the Preds to do it again? I think they might have to win a little bit different. I think they're going to have to win a little bit better defensively, and maybe that's where McDonough helps them, right? Like, they still have a, like, uh, their goaltending man is still elite, and I, I think that gives them a, a real good shot. Uh, UC Saros uh, in between the pipes. Uh, if he stays healthy, that's a, that's a huge, huge win for them. And there's no reason to say he won't. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously he's going to have to be for, for them to be good. But I think the Preds offense maybe takes a dip, but I think their defensive play improves. And uh, that's why I have them as a playoff team. Are they too reliant on Roman Yossi? Um, well, he's so good. Like he, he, he you know, they, they play him different for sure. Right. Like he, I, I don't he's know. He's the catalyst he, to their offense. It almost feels like anytime he's on the ice, when you watch him, Everything runs through him, like even coming out of the zone and off the rush. Well, that's what I was going to say. Zone exits for him, that's an area. It's great for him, but I'm not sure that's ideal for your team um, to, to have him with that many. So uh, I'll be, you know, teams, you know, teams can maybe look at that and figure out ways to take it away, right? And then uh, then you got to change more. So, but hey, Roman, you know, I guess until teams figure it out, Frank, um, why wouldn't you rely on them? Well, it just felt like as, especially if you watched in, in March as, things got way more difficult. I felt like teams were way better at defending the Preds and they, they played Yossi differently. Yeah, no, that's well, yeah. Teams are smart. They'll figure it out. So now it's up to the Preds. Do they see the film and maybe they adapt their system uh, a little bit. So, so Preds in or out? I have the Preds in. Okay. I have the Preds out. So you have, so we each have four. See, I only have four central teams this year. I think there's, it's going to be four and four in the West. Pacific's going to have four playoff teams. Okay. So great rundown. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Remchuk for a little buy or sell. Yes, a little uh, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank oh, is what we're going to be right. doing for the Central Division today. But regardless, it's always brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you use the promo code RUNDOWNDD. Let's jump right into things. My first one comes with a little bit of a caveat. Do we agree that McKinnon and McCarr, are they the two best players in this division? Do you agree with that statement? Yes. Yes. So your question is, the third best player in the Central Division is blank. Frank? Kirill Kaprizov. Ooh, okay. I'm still going to go with Patrick Kane. Interesting. He's still legit in my mind, man. I thought you were going to say Yossi. Yeah, you know, yeah, Yossi probably could be up there, but I'm I'm biased, yeah. so I will admit it. I will go with uh, Patrick. Patrick Kane has been elite for such a long time, and there really hasn't been a drop-off in his game. That's what I find very impressive. Fair enough. This one's similar, but we're going between the pipes. You guys talked about Connor Hellebuck, a guy who the Jets probably want to see bounce back a little bit this year. You talked about UC Saros a little bit, but the best goalie in the division is blank. Jason? I'm going to take UC Saros. 
I uh, Hellebuck's got to bounce back, no question yeah. about it. But you see Saros, if you look at his career numbers, overall, he's, I think he's, he's slightly better. Yeah, I'd love to say Saros, but I'm going to say Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, that's fair. If it was like a game seven, everything on the line, and you had to pick one of those two guys to start, I don't know. I, I might lean Connor Hellebuck in that scenario. I might be. I think player. I'm taking Hellebuck yeah. too. Someone, I just think his confidence trumps all. Yeah. When it comes to situations like that, he truly believes he's going to win every time he plays. But like uh, with Jason's pick, hard to argue against the numbers of Saros as well because he was mm-hmm. remarkable last season. Uh, this one, you guys talked a little bit about Kirill Kaprizov. We've given a ton of love to a guy uh, like Kyle Connor in the past. They each had 47 goals last season. The player who will score the most this year is blank. Frank? What are my options? Connor or Anyone? Kaprizov? They've each, they each scored 47 last year. So which one gets more this year? Mm, I'm going to say Connor. It, it, it's a tough one. I was trying to answer this one myself. And it's like, you know, Kaprizov lost Fiala. Maybe there's a little bit less offensive depth in Minnesota. Kyle Connor, who knows how Winnipeg is going to play out this year. It's a tough question, I think. Jay, who you got? It's a really good question, actually. Um. You know, 47 goals each. They basically played the same amount of games, yep. right? Uh, 79 and 81. So there wasn't a significant amount of difference there. Um, Kyle Connor shoots the puck more, but I wonder if this is the year we see Kaprizov fire the pill more. And if he does, he's going to score more. So I'm going to go with uh, Kirill. Interesting. All right. For uh, the last half of this one here, we are going to turn our attention to Points Bet Canada, who's got some interesting odds up for the season. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche finished last year with 119 points. Uh, Points bet has them at 112 and a half. Frank, over under on that. I'm going to say over. Ooh, over. It's a, I don't think, like, they should be a 110-point team, but there's something about the 112 that's giving me a little bit of pause, especially, I mean, you guys talked about the pieces they lost. Jay, you going over under 112 and a half. So last year, there's Minnesota was fifth, and they were 113. So five teams... You know, can rack up that many points. There was basically seven teams in the league last year that got to that number, or pretty close. Yeah, well, Calgary and the Rangers were right below, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna. But Minnesota got there at 113. Carolina was 116. Florida 122. Toronto 115. It's it's easier than ever. It feels like to pile up those points. Especially, they should have a bunch of free spaces on the bingo card with both Chicago and Arizona in their division. Yeah, I I'm gonna say under. All right. Uh, I you're the defending champ. They're not that they take their foot off the gas at all, but I, I think early on, you know, the the injury to uh, to Landeskog, the absence. That's three kind of other top six forwards now that they'll start the season with this year that, or without that they had at their cup running team. So, you know, we're only talking a difference of three or four wins. So I will say under. By the way, Chris Chris McFarland mentioned though that they did. He reminded us they had a slow start last year and sure. figured it out. Like, remember we were talking in the first few weeks of the season. What happens with Jared Bednar? And then he signed an extension, and, and it was almost like once he put pen to paper, that team took off. Yeah. I, when I say under, it's like going to be 111 or 112. Yeah. I don't I don't see them sliding back down to 100 or anything like that. But 113 points, man, is still a lot of points in today's NHL. And all, all you need is, you know, a few unlucky games and a few unlucky yeah. bounces and boom, you're back down there. So I will go under. You said over, though, Frank. What number would you peg them at? What What's what's a number that would you go, okay, at that point I go under? Like, um, 
115, I would yeah. probably, that would lean me towards under. All right. Uh, we'll go a little rapid fire style with the last three teams I've written down here. These are just three of the lines in the division that I found interesting. Uh, Dallas Stars over under 94.5, Frank. I'm going to say under. Jay? Me too. Under. Nashville Predators, 96.5. Jason? Well, I picked them to make the playoffs, so I got to go over. Frank? Under. All right, and the last one I got, I think I know where you guys are going on this one. St. Louis Blues, 95 and a half. Frank? Way over. 95? That's, that's the Stone Cold Mortal Lock of the year. All right. Wow, 90. They have them 14 fewer points than last season. That's crazy. Like, they didn't really lose anybody other than unless they think Huso is that important. Well, maybe he is. That's as easy as last year when I took LA over 84. Yeah, I'll take the Blues over for sure there, too. All right. Um, and I, you know what? Just for fun, because, I mean, there's no time limit on this podcast. Arizona over under 65 and a half. Frank? Ooh. Under. Jason? I think their team is slightly worse than last year. Yeah, me too. And they had 57 last year. So why why would they go eight points more than they had last year? Yeah, if they go over based on last year, that means there'd be seven teams below them. Yeah, I can't see that. So I'll take but Just a word of caution. I did last year, the Sabres were 66 and a half, and I, I crushed that. I said that they would be under, and they were over by nine. So... Well, I, the one wild card in Arizona, fellas. How's the sold out barn every night in Arizona going to help oh, that wait. team, man? That is the one wild card for the Oats. We'll see. Like, uh, is it is it good enough for two or three more wins for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hawks, by the way, are sixty six and a half. I feel like that's uh, under. Two. I'll take under there. Yeah, I'm taking under on the Hawks because I think I think they're. Gonna I could see really- how much worse could they possibly be. Frank, I know you talked about the guys that left, but honestly, how much worse? Well, I th- I think they trade off some guys during the season, Frank. In the last two months of the year for the Hawks is, it's 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 going to be, oh, what year was that? There's a few teams that won like one of their final 21 games a few times. I could see the Hawks right in there. Well, the thing I me- just think Luke Richardson is going to have that team in a spot where they work hard every night. I I don't see them folding like a cheap tent in a soft wind in the, in the last month of the season. Okay. The, the thing for me, the reason I'm going under on Chicago is last year they had half a season of Marc-Andre Fleury, who was solid. And this year, I just, I don't think their goaltending is going to be able to give him. Like, Fleury was almost 9-10 last year when he was a Blackhawk. I don't think you're getting close to 9-10 from Mrazek and Stalock. Can Mrazek stay upright is the question. That too. Yeah. yeah. Like, they only had 68 points. All we're asking is to be three points worse than last year. So... All right, that's going to be a wrap on uh, this week's edition of Fill in the Blank Central Division theme delivered by DoorDash. Nice. I'm going to try to get my camera fixed for next pod. It's driving me up the wall. So I will, uh, our apologies for anybody who's watching on uh, YouTube, but I will uh, get that fixed. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, by the way. Yes, subscribe it. Uh, thanks to uh, McFarland. And uh, we will uh, be going to the uh, Atlantic division on Friday. We have a new Detroit Red Wings coach, Derek Newsy Lalonde, exciting uh, guy, a team. uh, If you watched hard knocks of the Detroit lions, I'm equally as interested to see if they can, the Red Wings can generate a similar type buzz in Detroit. Oh, 
Hey, they're exciting right now. Well, their head coach in Detroit is for the Lions, man. He's just, that guy is all energy and emotion. and You get fired up for sure. Frank, great rundown, man. Uh, have a good week. We will talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.